guys. Welcome back to Esther Me in My House. I'm Elena. And I'm Jordan. We missed you guys. It's just been the past two episodes that we've done. We've had special guests. Yes, which um, we've loved and appreciated, but Milena was just saying this is the first time we're we're back and I'm like, yeah, we're kinda, by ourselves. We're kind of boring. We get tired of listening to ourselves all the time. We want to hear from some experts. <laughs> well, we're super excited about today's episode. We've done Bible studies on air before and you guys have loved them and really enjoyed them and we really enjoyed doing them, so we're bringing it back. We're going through the book of James today. Yes, and reading the Bible doesn't have to be this intimidating, challenging process, right? You just take it in bites like anything, right? Like Dave Ramsey, Uncle Dave talks about the snowball debt, you know, the debt snowball where you pay off your little debts and then all of a sudden you get more momentum and you pay off the bigger debts and the bigger debts and the bigger debts. Pretty soon you have no more debt. It's the same thing with the Bible. You're like, oh, (laughs) wow, where do I start? It's a huge book. The pages are like see-through, super thin. I don't, I'm, I'm intimidated. I have nowhere to start. Just start with a small book. Start with something very practical like James, Mm -hmm. and you'll read the whole thing, and you'll be like, wow, I'm astonished at how exciting that was and how engaging that was and how I grew in my faith from learning that. So, you know, many of you guys did the Ruth study that Milena put together a few weeks back that we just were so proud of her about, and it wasn't scary at all, right? Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of you guys read the whole book of Ruth. Well, you had to if you did the study, (laughs) but... (laughs) You come out on it's the other end. It's only four chapters. Yeah, it's a small book. It's something you can start off with. It's not intimidating. But but if you've completed it, now you'll always remember the book of Ruth. Yeah, and think of how much more insight you have into other places of the Bible yes. as well. Yes. And that's what the whole thing is. It's all uh, a cross-correlation of what God is doing in different times, in different people's lives all throughout time mm-hmm. in humanity so and it's all interconnected like when exactly. jordan and i were doing the ruth study and creating it we would stop so many times and i was like i am mind blown right now i can't believe how this is connected with this and this makes sense with this and this and this and this and this and this and this and, this. and it just makes the bible so much more enjoyable absolutely and understandable yes so now we are going to read the entire yes the entire book of James, and then walk through it. And mind you, this isn't going to be exhaustive. And what I mean by that is we're really, really getting down into the minutia, really deep into all this. We're just trying to be as practical as possible. And again, James is the perfect book for this because it's all about Mm -hmm. practical Christian living. Yeah. And we'll share a list uh, on, we'll link it down below in in the description. We'll also share it on the Ask From You and I House podcast uh, Facebook page. Mm Mm-hmm. Or essentially it's this list of how long it takes to read each book of the Bible, just for your reference. And when I first came across this, I was startled to say, wow, it doesn't really take that long to read the entire Bible, which sounds, it's a crazy claim to make. But if you were to put in perspective in this article with the graphic that we'll share, um, it makes perfect sense. It's like if you read 30 minutes a day of the Bible from the start to the end, you would finish mm-hmm. the whole Bible in like 160 days or 180 days or something like that. Have you seen like those, half a year, you know, kind of like how Alabaster has like different books of the Bible, like in yes. actual physical books. I've seen on Amazon where they actually sell the entire Bible in different books and it's not that many books. Like they're all individually <laughs> bound. Yes. And yeah. they're small. There's some really, really small ones, some a little larger ones, but it like gives you a different perspective and a like yes. idea of just like looking at the books because the bible is so stinking thin i mean it's convenient to have yeah it's convenient to have it all in one bound book 
Yeah. But sometimes, like, I agree, honey. Sometimes it's easier to just, okay, let me go pick up uh, Ecclesiastes off the shelf. It's and not then just scary. read Ecclesiastes. Yeah. And it's okay. It's only, you know, X amount of chapters and it's no big deal. That's actually the first time I read the Bible was like separate books. I didn't read it like starting at Genesis all the way through Revelation. I would just read, skip around different books, different books. And before you knew it, I was like, wow, I read pretty much the whole thing. And, you know, so a goal of mine is to go through Genesis straight through Revelation. But, you know, it's just. But isn't that man's way of putting it together anyway? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a, yeah, it kind of makes sense because they've comprised it of categories. So you got like the Pentateuch or the Tanakh, which are the first five books. And then you have the books of history, like Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Chronicles, Samuel. Then you got the poetry books and wisdom books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, so on. You got the prophets. You have the Gospels and the Acts, the uh, epistles, and the letters to or the Revelation of John. So. Is Revelation its own category? Yeah, that, that goes with like prophecy and things like that of the end okay but you still get that all throughout the old testament anyways yeah. so again all that to say uh check out that link we'll have it below again and you'll be surprised that wow i, I can do this i can actually read through it and we're going to do it with you guys just now in, in the next hour or so on this episode mm-hmm. to show you it's it's not scary and we'll just talk through it we'll stop a few times just to unpack some things or maybe share some insights or from some people that are a lot smarter than us and what they've had to say about things because there's some confusion in James and there's some things that might cause a little bit of uh, like you to pause and kind of turn your head sideways like huh what, what does that mean mm-hmm. so we'll try to break that down a little bit for you but before we jump in we would like to thank Simply Safe for sponsoring today's episode and with all the uncertainty in the world feeling safe at home has never been more important and Simply Safe is a longtime friend of our show here at As for Me in My House, and for good reason. Simply Safe has made it easy to finally get comprehensive protection for your home. There's no technician or salesperson that needs to come and disrupt your house. You don't need to pay any outrageous monthly fees or sign a two year contract. You just order online, set it up for yourself in under an hour, and your home is protected 24 7 with emergency dispatch for break ins, fire, and more all for just 50 cents a day. And we're not the only fans of Simply Safe. US News and World Report named Simply Safe the best overall home security of 2020. And right now, when you head to simplysafe.com/myhouse, our listeners will get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. That's simplysafe.com/myhouse to make sure they know that our show sent you. From Simply Safe and all of us here wishing you safety and good health. And we would also like to thank Laurel Springs for sponsoring today's episode. And Laurel Springs is an accredited online private school for students in kindergarten through 12th grade. They recognize that each child is a unique individual with their own personal interests, special talents, and unique learning style. And as parents, Melana and I want to encourage Aletheia and our future children to pursue their dreams and the things that God has for them and to provide opportunities that give them the best chances to succeed. And so Laurel Springs flexible online programs offer challenging and diverse elective courses. And best part is they are accredited by the Western Association of Schools and Colleges, which means their transcripts are recognized by colleges and universities worldwide. So you can register your child at laurelsprings.com slash house today and receive waived registration fee. That's laurelsprings.com slash house for your waived registration fee. 
Again, it's laurelsprings.com slash house. And with that, honey, I'll jump in uh, with a prayer, and then we can kind of give a quick overview of the book of James before mm-hmm. we jump in. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for those who penned it under the influence and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the instruction and the wisdom and the edification that you give us through your word. And we ask that you anoint us now as we uh, share it and we read it and we talk about it and ponder um, all that you have for us, Lord. So again, we thank you, ask that you'd be here with us and we give you all the glory in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So I think it's important to kind of start off with a little bit of background mm-hmm. just because anytime you read a book, whether it's the Bible, an author in the Bible, or even just a a book on Christianity or, or from your favorite pastor, whoever, it's always important to know where they're coming from and their background. I think just to give you a lot of insight into what they're saying, mm-hmm. especially for books that are outside of the Bible that are referring to the Bible, you always want to check people out, right? That's our banner disclaimer verse. What is it, honey? Acts seventeen eleven. Right. And that says that the church in Berea, the Bereans, were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they gladly received the word that Paul was speaking to them. But then they went home and they studied their scrolls. They got out their Old Testament scrolls and they made sure what Paul was preaching to them about this Jesus was actually true. Mm-hmm. He said, look, this is the Messiah. He's the promised one to come. He's, he's here. He died and he rose again. And he's now in heaven, right? So he's, they said, wow, that's, that's wonderful. And then they went back and said, oh, yeah, look, Isaiah talked about this. The Psalms talked about it, so on and so forth. And they, they believed him, but they also did their homework. So with everything that you're taught or somebody proclaims, always go and check them out. That goes for us. That goes for your favorite fact, pastor. Like fact check them. Exactly. In a world of disinformation and <laughs> people only clinging blindly to believe whatever the news tells them these days, you want to make sure you're fact-checking everything and going to the real sources. So God's word is our ultimate source, as you know, and that's where we want to come back to always. So we will share some things that's a little bit like, mm, there might be some good people that disagree on both sides. And all we wanted you guys to do is do your own homework, check us out, make sure we're telling you the right way. And if not, hey, that's great. Praise God. You did your due diligence mm-hmm. and... That's the whole point. So um, right away, we start off with James. He is now Jesus's half brother or sibling. And you might say, what? Yeah, Jesus had siblings. He had brothers and maybe even sisters. But uh, we know this is something of a little bit of tension in certain church groups or certain church bodies uh, that would say, no, Jesus didn't have any siblings. And Mary was a, a virgin for her whole life. But I'm just going to throw out a few verses to you in the Bible. And you, you know, again, be a Berean, do your own homework, come to your own conclusions, check us out, see if what we're telling you is true or not based on the Bible. And you come up with, you know, what you believe that, that the scripture is saying. So uh, James is the half brother or the sibling of Jesus. See Matthew uh, chapter 12, 46 and 47. Also Matthew 13, 55. John 7, 5, and Galatians 1, 18 through 19. And again, I'm not going to spend a whole ton of time going through all those, but just jot those down and go back and read it and see, look at the Bible as your authority. Uh, we also know that James was the bishop of the church in Jerusalem, which was 
a, a huge hub of Christianity, of Judaism, of Roman authority in that time. So there was a lot going on in this time. So he was a pretty prominent figure. He was very esteemed and, and regarded. And we learn later that he wasn't a believer at first in Jesus. But after the resurrection is when he actually believed. Because think about it. If you're... That's crazy. Think about, like, if your brother <laughs> is going around saying, I'm the Messiah, of and course your siblings are going to be the first ones to say, yeah, right, right, you know? Yeah. But well, then to see later, like, wow, that he was the son of God. He is the son of God. That's, that's mind blowing. I can, I can give him a little bit of grace to say like, yeah, that's my brother, you know, mm -hmm. my half brother. So yeah, it's just crazy to think that. I don't know. But like, if your brother was perfect, you'd know that they were perfect. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, like you, know, it's Jesus again, walking on water. I'm disobeying my mom, but no, nope, I'm getting always... in trouble yet again. Yeah. There's... So you see why there might be some, some spiting there. Yeah, but, that's true. Yeah. So Again, the theme here in James's book is all about living a faith evidenced by righteous living and godly behavior. So it's very practical how we are to live as Christians. Mm -hmm. Paul's focus is a lot, and you'll hear this. We're, we're going to really hammer, especially in chapter two when we get to it, on the difference in um, being saved by grace through faith and how your works and good works and good deeds are associated with that. But I think it's important to know that Paul speaks on being justified before God, mainly in his epistles, and James is now focusing on justification before men. And the reason I say that is because if you have any familiar with the book of James or Paul's writings, you might see that maybe there's sometimes that it sounds like they're contradicting each other. You know, like Paul's saying you're saved by grace through faith, but then James is saying you're saved by your works and your as well. You're not just justified by your your faith but also by your works and so we're kind of like what's this are they contradicting each other and again john piper um has a great sermon it's an audio sermon we're going to link it below called does james contradict paul hmm. and it's like under an hour very well put together he goes through it all and lays it all out that they're actually complimenting what what, what each other are saying that what might look like a contradiction on the surface is actually them agreeing with one another just fighting back to back so as, and I give grace for people here because there is a lot and we're in an age right now where we have all these people, theologians, pastors, church history. We know all of these things now sitting in the year 2020 and having all these references to look at. But you think of people like Martin Luther and he actually referred to James as the epistle of straw because again, he's going back to you're saved by grace through faith, not by your work. So he kind of was fighting and wrestling with the whole book of James talking about emphasizing works mm. and he didn't really know how to deal with that. So I give people like that grace, but again, knowing that the Bible never contradicts itself, it just might present things from different perspectives and it's up to us to dig deep enough to see where the marriage is there. Mm. And a, a great point Chuck Missler makes is that the evangelical Christian church focuses so much on salvation by grace through faith, not by works which is fine. I'm not knocking that. I'm not saying we shouldn't because rightfully so we should, but we fail to emphasize rewards or what the Bible refers to them as crowns for our obedience within the parameter or the walls of salvation. So James, you'll see a lot will mirror Jesus's sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about the intentions of the heart, right? Like he said, you'll, you've heard it said, don't do this, but I tell you, even if you've thought of this or, uh, or felt this way, 
you're guilty of, of sin. You're guilty before the law. So Jesus is not so much concerned about your deeds, but more so where's your heart? Mm. And James is mirroring that same thing, that from a proper heart, from a proper understanding of faith and salvation, your righteousness will flow from that because it's the Holy Spirit working in you. Honey, can I just say you're thriving right now? <laughs> I think this is this is so relevant for can me. Can you guys tell that this is like such a Jordan, up Jordan's alley? <laughs> I, I just love this stuff because James is one of those books for me that really hit home was kind of like a wake up call for me and in a good way. Hmm. Like if, if you're reading James and especially you'll see when we get to chapter two, like I mentioned before, but you'll start reading this. And if you're a Christian, you're like, Oh, you're, you're kind of shaking a little bit like, Oh, I, that, that kind of hurts. That's, that's not like the fluffy, like yeah fluffy um, teaching. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm used at to. first remember when we were going through, I was like, honey, this is kind of boring. Like when we first started, I was like, wait a minute. Well, not only but then boring, as we but got then, into it, I was like, oh. But then you start, yeah, I, I agree. And then you start seeing, I'm actually like kind of concerned for myself. Like, am I really saved? Am I really, can can I lose my salvation? Am I, am I kind of, I don't, I don't, I don't know where I stand here. It's, it's good. If you're thinking that way, reading James, you are, that's the Holy Spirit's conviction in you. So yes, you have assurance of salvation it should offend us. It should be challenging us and growing us. I think if we're just going to church or we're just reading the Bible and it just purely for a devotional sake, which there's nothing wrong again with devotions, but if we're not taking our time to study, to pull out our concordance, to look at, you know, word studies and get into some of the depth of the riches that are sitting there just waiting for us to explore and, and excavate, we'll never really see the true beauty of the scripture in its entirety. So uh, this is important stuff. And I think a great part of reading James is that he doesn't really get super complex and really deep into the weeds theologically. He just says it very fact of the matter, very straightforward. And I appreciate that. I think there's something to be said. So I'm Sh- done. Sh- shall shall we read it? Yeah, I'm off my soapbox <laughs> for now. Okay. So honey, if you want to jump in with reading chapter yes. one, what we're going to do guys is just read through it's five Each chapter, five chapters. Yep. Five chapters. So if you want to grab your Bible and follow along, it's literally one on my Bible. It's two pages. I think the the chart that I was mentioning earlier on how long it takes to read each book, I think they, they mark it at 15, 15, 15 minutes to read the entire yeah. book of James. Mm-hmm. So obviously this is going to be a little longer than that. Cause we're going to stop and kind of point out a few key verses each chapter, but we're going to read the whole chapter through Stop, we'll bring up a few things, and then we'll go to the next chapter and do the same thing. So Mm -hmm. grab your Bibles, and we'll start at James chapter 1, verse 1. All right, I will start with the reading, and I am reading from my ESV Bible. Just saying. English Standard Version. That's not the extremely satanic version. (laughs) (laughs) Bible jokes. (laughs) Such a dad. Okay. Greetings. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes of the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to all without reapproach, and it will be given. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowest, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with his scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So will the rich men fade away in the midst of its pursuits. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and him, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and entrance, what is that word? Enticed. Enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it is convinced then desire when it is convinced conceived sorry <laughs> when desire then desire when it, it has conceived birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death do not be deceived my beloved brothers give good gifts and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be kind of first first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of men does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthness and rampage wickedness and revise with meekness and implanted words, which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word and not haters, only deceiving yourselves. Not hearers only. He said haters. Yeah, you should, probably shouldn't hate the word <laughs> also, but yeah, be doers of the word and not hearers only, right? Yes. So do what it says. Don't just hear it. Mm, okay. For if anyone is the hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intensely at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, liberty, and perceives being no hearer. Per who perseveres. Perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle, bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion is a religion is a pure and un religion that is pure. Honey. <laughs> Just slow down, it's fine. Okay. Religion that is pure and un defiled. Defiled before God. The Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affections affliction. Oh my gosh, honey. <laughs> okay, I don't know if you guys okay, know but this, affection but I do and have I'm all, I'm not trying to nitpick. I'm just some words okay, that but are I'm like dyslexic, super, so it doesn't matter. It looks the same to me. I know, but I'm just I'm trying to just say in case somebody's not reading along and can see the word affection and affliction are two different, very very opposite okay. words. So okay. That's why I'm just trying to correct. I'm I should have put the disclaimer that I have dyslexia before. I started it's okay, reading, so you guys don't think I'm crazy. I'll but tell you guys this though: reading the King James, reading the ESV, even even though it's a little bit better, reading the New American Standard Bible, those will all greatly increase your vocabulary if you can pick your hand if you can get your hands on those like 
Start with something like the NIV or even the NLT, um, which are very user-friendly to read, and then try to transition to something like ESV or NASB or King James, and then go back and read some of these things. You'll say, wow, oh yeah, I've heard that word before. Oh, I'm in college, and I, I remember using this word in a... like." It'll just greatly enhance your vocabulary and challenge your, your brain to think different ways. So Milena's experiencing that live right now on air, which is <laughs> what you and I get the Growing full up, experience of. Growing up, I dreaded reading in front of the class. So for me to be doing this right now is it's taking huge. a lot out of me, okay? We're all very proud of you, honey. Thank you. You're doing I'm great. I'm almost done. You're I doing have like amazing, five words sweetie. <laughs> okay. And to keep oneself unsustained from the world. Unstained done (laughs) (laughs) very good yeah it's a lot there's a lot of um non-common words in there but all right first thing that stands out to me i feel like this is a verse that everyone probably has heard hopefully at least a couple of times in their life is is it 19 or 20 i think it's 20 well let's let's go in order is there anything before that um just so people can follow along a little bit more not not jumping around Mm mm-hmm He talked about the crown. Where is that? 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. What Mm -hmm. does that mean? What's the crown of life, honey? Well, when you go back to Paul references the crowns, right? I think there's at least five, maybe seven. I think there's seven crowns that are mentioned in Scripture and probably even more. But I think what's interesting here is as James is talking about the crown of life, he's not talking about eternal life here. He's just talking about... That's what it seems like he's talking about. I remember the first time I read that, I was like, oh, he's talking about salvation. Right. I mean, there are different types of crowns, and James is referencing the crown of life here. But when you go back to First Corinthians <laughs> nine twenty four through 26, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath or crown, but we an imperishable. So essentially what he's saying here is run not to beat everybody else, but run with the same vigor, the same passion, the same ambition as somebody in a Olympic race to go, you know, get the gold, so to speak, or get the wreath back then. Mm -hmm. And so they would, the victor or the one who would win would receive this crown, but it would wither and, you know, dry up in a matter of a couple days and that's it. But Paul says we're running for a crown imperishable, meaning something eternal of eternal value, namely to, to live and to know Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what, Again, this euphemism or this picture or the metaphor of a crown, we're receiving the crown of life, this life eternal with with God. So he's saying, look, you have eternal life coming. You have a a life of abundance coming. So stand firm. You know that you have, you know, a lot of trials and tribulation and things that you don't like and things that are hurtful and things that are going on in your life that you're, you're suffering for, but... Don't worry, because in the end, you're going to have a great reward. Mm-hmm. And that is to know Jesus and to be with him forever. Yeah. And so that's, I think, a great encouragement to me, because James is saying, look, when you're facing all these trials, when you're going through tribulation, it's actually producing a deeper, 
more intimate faith in inside of you. It's causing you to rely more on the Lord, more on the Holy Spirit, and less on ourselves, right? If we're doing all, if all's going well in our life, it's very easy. I'm not saying it always happens, but it's very easy to just say, I've done this. I'm good. I'm in control. I'm the master of my fate, the captain of my debt, whatever that saying is like, I'm in control of it all. Mm-hmm. I don't really need God or yeah, thanks God. I got it from here. Thanks for the head start. Thanks for the, the jolt. I'm good to go. And we kind of pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But then James remind us, look, he's not saying, um, if, but when you face trials, right? Cause he knows that everyone's going to face trials. Mm-hmm. So regardless of how big or how small that trial is, you know that it'll produce greater faith in you and greater patience and perseverance so that in the end you can stand before the Lord and say, it was hard, it wasn't easy, but I know it was the right thing and he will reward you for that. Mm -hmm. I also want to point out 13. It says, let no one, sorry, let no one say he is tempted. I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. I feel like that's a really good point to make, because I feel like sometimes people misunderstand yes. that or think. Now, God will allow the devil to tempt people, but remember, the devil's only on such a such a chain, right? His He's on a short leash. Short leash, exactly. Him and Jordan have a lot in common. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It ends at the leashes, I hope. <laughs> But yes, that's kind of where um, where people might get confused as they see, well, I thought God was tempting Abraham when he brought his son up the mountain. It's like, no, that was a, an actual test of faith, which we're going to see later down the road. Or wasn't Jesus tempted in the wilderness? Well, yes, his humanity was tempted, the personhood of him. We often, again, it's hard for us as, as humans because we, we don't understand a dichotomy, right? Or you know, Jesus being fully man and fully God, but his humanity was absolutely tempted. He was tempted in every way as we are, like James, like uh, Hebrew says, but he did not sin. So God cannot sin because he's perfect and holy, and sin is the uh, the antithesis of God's nature. So God cannot be God and sin. There are certain things God cannot do, and that doesn't limit his power. That actually further Makes it. displays and affirms his power because mm-hmm. he can't do anything sub perfect if that makes sense because he is perfect yeah and thank god he is right because if he sinned or if he stopped being perfect then all else would cease because he is the one causing and controlling all things so if god wasn't god and he breached himself then there would be nothing Mm. all right theological rant over i promise james wasn't theological i just jordan that's just jordan that's just me (laughs) rambling (laughs) but yes james is is saying that here you know he cannot be tempted, and he doesn't tempt anybody. So know that your trials and your tribulation, God will give you the strength to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to throw in a memory verse. We didn't do this last time, but I want to start doing this. It sounds fun. Okay, the memory verse is going to be James one nineteen. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Got it. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry. I did that without looking. Okay, you probably already knew that before I even said it was a No, but it kind of does roll off the top. It's one of those that... It, like, makes so much sense. You can embed that in your brain. Actually, yeah. here's a, here's an easier way to do that. 
Think of everything that you're like. You want to do. Your natural inclination and then reverse that. Yeah. Like I'm normally slow to hear, quick to speak and quick to get angry. <laughs> so <laughs> if you just reverse all that, then you got yep. the verse down. Exactly. And we should expect nothing less than this. If this is truly the word of God, this is something that originated from outside of our humanity and outside of our human experience. It would make sense that it goes against our natural human tendency. reaction yeah. and tendency. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll remind you guys on the Facebook page and on the Instagram page, but that is going to be our memory verse. If you haven't already have that memorized, I feel like that's a verse that like my mom and dad said to me all the time when I was growing up. Yes, it's a good one. And then in verse 22, where James is talking about being a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. Uh, you mean a hater? Yeah, a hater and a hearer only. I, I question you guys and myself what does it mean to be a doer of the word, right? How do you be a doer of the word? This is honestly the biggest question I feel like we get. Yeah. I feel like my DMs are always filled with like, how do I practically live the Christian life? Yeah. You know? I think it's it comes down to, I actually referenced Chuck Missler in this because he had a great couple points of practicality here. He said, by looking intently at the word, not just reading it for devotion, which again, nothing wrong with devotion. Melana just did a devotion on Ruth, but mm, we it was tried more to of a study Bible. Yeah, we we try to be very intent on that, looking intently, continuing, meaning making it habitual, making a habit of it, not forgetting, committing things to memory, hiding the word in your heart, as David says, or as the psalmist says. I don't know if it's David exactly, but things like Melana said, memorizing things, recalling it to mind, and not just saying memorizing it so you can memorize it but why would you memorize something what's the point what's the purpose of memorizing right. scripture right mm-hmm. it's then to, the next time you're gonna want to yell you're gonna be like ah yeah it's causing you to change or to do right and then the fourth thing chuck says is by doing it <laughs> like <laughs> very simply right like serious application of the that, word it's not that easy it's simple in in si- theory like, yeah difficult in an application right so mm-hmm. These are some ways that we can be a doer of the word. So we just encourage you to really study your Bible, really get into it. And there's tons of great resources out there. We'll link some. We have some already we've mentioned. But again, just being a doer in, implies more than just reading it as as you would read a chapter book for pleasure, right? Because it's a living, active word. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot we can do to interact with the, the scripture itself. Uh, last thing I want to say on chapter one is the last couple verses. The last verse here, James is talking about religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I think it's interesting how James uses the word religion. And I think in modern church and evangelical circles, this word religion has kind of gotten a black eye. And yeah. I think uh, I know where people are coming from. They're saying, well, religion as in, as in the t- text of you have to do all these things and ascribe to all these moralistic deism sayings and, and virtues. And if here's all the rules, if you obey them, you and God are cool. If you break them, you and God aren't cool. Right. Mm-hmm. That's re- people will just slap that and say, oh, that's religion. Yeah. But religion, I would challenge you guys to, to think of it this way. Religion isn't evil in and of itself. Like religion with the wrong motive is destructive and we can miss the whole point. 
if we're just focused on the rituals or the patterns or the practices, but we miss the whole point of who and to whom we are doing the the religious works to, towards, right? Mm-hmm. But we should be religious about certain things, yeah. such as reading our Bible, right? Just being habitual about it. We should be devoted to reading our Bible. Caring for the least of these, right? The widows and orphans, as James says. You know, we should be religious about taking a shower, right? Just for your, your own hygiene, brushing your teeth, things like that. Mm-hmm. These are things that it's religion in those sense isn't bad. And I think James uses the most dejected in our society to show us just how we should be caring for widows and orphans plus everything else in between, right? Like he goes to the extreme to say, here are these most vulnerable people in society. And God says this is pure. So how much more else from them to where you are right now in your life could you also be pure in your devotion towards, right? So I just thought that was an interesting uh, phraseology there where he talks about religion. You have any thoughts, honey? Um. Well, yeah, I was just going to say it used to be a big pet peeve of mine when people would always say that I'm super religious. Yeah, exactly. And that's where people ascribe from. Yeah. So I've I've gotten used to in the habit of saying, what do you mean by religious? Yeah. I remember I like did a whole YouTube video on this once. I was like, I don't think you guys understand. It, it was like <laughs> two years old, but. I remember going off on the whole religious thing. Well, that's um, like you believe in God or you, you know, you pray a lot or you love Jesus. And it's like, well, there's more to it. Yeah. There's a, you're missing the point there. So yeah, yeah but just question people, encourage them to think critically about things, especially when it comes to like religion. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's been, and we need to redefine it in our, in our society today. Yeah. All right. James two. Yep. James two. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold to the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, why say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet? Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality... You are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one and you do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Mm. So yeah, this is kind of the the meat and potatoes of the book of James. I mean, there's a lot in here. I don't want to discredit the rest of the book, but this is kind of where a lot of people will um, wrestle and kind of see, especially the second part of chapter two. This is where we're going to camp out for a little bit here, and the rest will be a little bit more um, they sing our fluid. Fire song, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but this is where we're going to kind of look at a few different things here because I want to clarify uh, some questions that people probably have that I know I had as Do I'm reading this. Do you want to use my Bible? Because yours is so tiny, it's making me sad for your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> my vision's okay for right now. I'm probably going to okay. be blind by the time I'm forty, but that's all right. I'll be spiritually awake and spiritually able to see. But I'm, although my eyes might wither and fail. Okay. <laughs> because I'm using this quarter millimeter inch print. Mm-hmm. Quarter millimeter inch. Oh, that's two different units. It's all right, honey. It's all right. So right here he's talking about showing partiality, right? Like you got these... This guy looking like he's in a GQ magazine walks in, and then you got another dude who's a bum who's got nothing, and then all you're doing is showing favor and love for the one dude because you think maybe I'll benefit something from from being associated with him. And James is saying, "That's foolish, right? You're guilty of of wrongdoing. You're guilty of sin doing this stuff." So then he uses the whole like law back in you know the Old Testament, saying, "Don't commit adultery and don't murder." Basically, to make his point, if if you break one law, you've broken them all. Mm. And he's using two extremes, adultery and murder. Again, like Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, right? You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I tell you, even if you look at somebody with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart with them. Mm-hmm. Don't commit murder. I tell you, even if you have hatred in your heart, you've committed murder in your heart, that kind of idea. So James is echoing the Sermon on the Mount here, saying, look, it's all about the intentions of your heart, you know? And I think of this poor man who comes in in shabby clothes and kind of looks rugged and dejected. And I got to say, I've, I have always had such an appreciation for people who do dirty jobs. Like, ever seen the Mike Rowe show, Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe? Mm-hmm. Like, our communities can't continue to exist without plumbers, with waste, without waste management personnel, people who lay bricks and stuff. Some of these not glorious, not glamorous jobs, but they make our society go round, you know? Mm. And so someone like that, I have often more respect for, and the church should be more welcoming and most welcoming of these people who aren't wealthy and dressed up and look like they got it all together. Mm -hmm. 
And Jesus was certainly wasn't that. So how much more should we as the church be welcoming of those who don't exactly look like they're all put together? Mm -hmm. Just again, the practicality of James. That's something that I appreciate about our church actually is that I never felt the need to dress up. Like I feel like if I went to church in my pajamas, people would still love and accept me regardless. Yeah, Yeah, it's not about your outward appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's get to... Um, I have a question. Yeah, yeah. Because I know you're going to get into this, but so he's talking about hold on, what was it? works. What, what would even define works? Yeah, let's, let's jump to verse 14 mm-hmm. because here James says, can faith, can this faith save him, right? And you might look at this and go, uh-oh, he's contradicting Paul. Paul says you're saved by grace through faith, not by your works. So what is James here talking about? Can this faith or can just faith save him? Now, what James is, again, think of Paul, visualize Paul and James standing back to back fighting in in a battle. They're fighting different enemies or the same enemy from different perspectives, right? So James is again arguing against people who are not exhibiting true saving faith he's not talking about somebody who's truly saved he's talking about people who are thinking they're saved just by paying lip service and cheapening their faith Mm. that just wants the benefits of knowing jesus and having a relationship with god but not but completely missing the whole point of salvation right Mm. which is to surrender to christ and allow him to transform us yes okay that makes sense. Dietrich Bonhoeffer called this cheap grace, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this, um, yes, I believe in Jesus, but he's just an added benefit to my plan kind of idea. Mm-hmm. It's not true saving faith. Like when things are going good. Yes. But then the second they start going right. south. So let's let James break it down and, and define it for us what exactly he means by saving faith or true faith. And I love what Chuck Missler says. He talks about, how sinners are saved by faith, right? We see that in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, among other places. And that the believer must walk by faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we see this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six, And whatever we do apart from faith is sin, hmm. Romans fourteen twenty three. Now, this is a hard pill, pill to swallow because <laughs> I know a lot of people, and this was even me at first, but a lot of people listening are like, what? You mean all these people that do all these good deeds and these people who film themselves giving money to the poor, they're actually sinning because they're doing it apart from a faith in Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit? Yes, they are. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow. I know that's not the popular opinion, but it's impossible to please God. Now, can God use the wrong intentions and the wrong heart motives of somebody to bless somebody else? Yes, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about how God can use things for good in spite of people. We're talking about our personal hearts, our own heart condition. Mm -hmm. If we're doing things outside and we're operating outside of the Holy Spirit's power, it is sin, regardless of how nice it might look or how even if it's benefiting somebody else. In God's eyes, it's sin because it's done with the wrong starting point, with the wrong heart, with the wrong motives. So in order to have the true faith that can save you that James is talking about, it's coming from a proper understanding of justification and sanctification then he's going to walk us through that now so it it's this whole idea that faith isn't believing in spite of evidence right like blind faith 
oh, I just believe it just because whatever, because somebody told me or because the Bible tells me so or because uh, my parents believed it, right? Faith is obeying in spite of convenience. Mm-hmm. It's not always the easy or convenient thing to do. Yep. It's not a feeling that we work up or say like, oh, I just need enough faith or I just have to set the right con- atmospheric if conditions. If I pray more, if I do this more, then this will happen. Yeah. Right. It's not that feeling that we work up. It's a confidence that God's word is true and that acting upon that word will bring his blessing. Works are not necessary to be saved, as everyone would agree, but true saving faith always produces good works. So it's a matter of of ordering of events, right? You're saved first, and then good works follow. Because remember, it's impossible to please God without true saving faith. So how can we do any good works that God sees as righteous without him indwelling us through the Holy Spirit in the first place? So that's what James is talking about here, where he's talking about can this kind of faith save somebody, right? Mm -hmm. And then he gives the example of if you see somebody lacking in some very practical ways, like this person doesn't have food, they don't have clothes, they're they're poor. That's why sponsoring children in extreme poverty is so near and dear to mine and Melana's heart because we see the needs here. God's given us an ability to meet those needs monetarily in a very practical way. So by us giving the money that God owns anyways, that's his money that he's just allowed to pass through our hand for a short amount of time, mm-hmm. an act of obedience or a practical step of of a deed in the operation of the whole. And again, this isn't a patting ourselves on the back. This is just us saying we really believe in what God's doing and what better way to ex- ex- uh, display our faith than to meet the needs of somebody who needs it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something we've been praying about for a long time is, Lord, show us where where the needs are. Show us where we can do your work and bring your kingdom here on earth and fight against evil and resist evil and brokenness and sin. How can we do all these things? And asking him to give us opportunities, and then he'll bring them into your life. And then it's our responsibility to act on those in a way that glorifies God. So... Again, back to James 1, if you lack wisdom, if you don't understand these things, just ask God. Say, Lord, give me the wisdom to know when you're bringing this opportunity in, right, so I can act righteously on it by the Holy Spirit's power. hope that makes sense, but that's kind of some thoughts I had. Uh, Then it's interesting that I think James talks about a few different kinds of faith. He talks about dead faith right at the very beginning that uh, he says in uh, of this portion, he says, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Mm. So this dead faith of, like Jesus in Matthew seven eighteen talks about the good trees and the bad trees, right? That good trees will produce good fruit, bad trees produce bad fruit or no fruit. And 1 John three seventeen kind of echoes the same thing, that when you see these people in need, but you don't have compassion, mm-hmm. how can you say that the love of God's in you? So essentially what this dead faith is, is our substituting words for authenticating deeds. So we're just saying lip service, essentially, that we do these good things, but we really don't in our hearts. Uh, John Calvin said it this way, It is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies is never alone. I thought that was good. That's deep. Faith that has no works does not work, (laughs) and real faith and works are inseparable. Yeah, the two kind of go hand in hand. 
Right. And it's just a matter of ordering. So some people might, this is where I think a lot of people get tripped up is they think, well, in, in order to be saved, I must do good works. No, that's false. That's heresy. That's called works-based salvation. Mm-hmm. You are saved and justified first by your faith, which is a free gift of grace from God. And then the good works flow from that mm-hmm. because it's now the Holy Spirit dwelling in you to do those good works through you. So again, the, this whole idea of, well, am I really saved? I don't know. You can never know somebody's lack of salvation by their lack of works. But usually a good indicator of someone's salvation is that they are doing righteous works in the power of the Holy Spirit. But you can't look at someone and say, oh, they're not doing anything good, so they're not saved. We can't make that judgment because we don't know their hearts. Mm-hmm. So James is saying that evidence of salvation is them doing good works in the power of the Holy Spirit. Next we have demonic faith. So... James makes the point here that even the demons believe, right? You can't just say, oh, I believe in God. Yeah, the big man upstairs, you know? Like, no, that's just lip service or mere acknowledgement. That's not real real faith, right? Even the demons acknowledge that there's a God and they shudder. So Mm -hmm. the demons have better theology than some professing Christians. (laughs) You know, at least they tremble. At least they realize before whom they stand. We just think of it so nonchalant. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, the big guy with the white beard in the sky. And <laughs> yeah, Santa Claus? Yeah, exactly, like <laughs> Santa in the sky or something. Or they just don't realize, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 I, I believe in God. Yeah, okay, well, the demons do. So how how intense or how true is your belief or how, yeah. how real is your faith? That's what James is trying to get at here. So, yeah, it kind of cuts a little bit. It hurts a little bit, but it's supposed to because... If you're truly saved, if you're truly in the family of God and you believe by grace through faith that you're saved, then this should offend you a little bit because then it's causing you to say, am I am I listening to the Holy Spirit? Am I obeying the Holy Spirit? Or am I resisting and, and kind of going the opposite way? Like the prodigal son, right? Mm-hmm. Then the third type of faith is dynamic faith. And this is where James is talking about saying, uh, you know, Abraham and Rahab, they were justified by their works. And he's saying, again, it came from their faith because he says, was Abraham not also justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? And you say, well, he was already considered righteous back in chapter 15 of Genesis. He doesn't sacrifice Isaac till chapter 22. So yes, he was already in the family of God, he was already righteous, but his righteousness was made complete or made full in his obedience. Mm. That's where James is making the point. He was justified by that Abraham acted on his faith. It didn't just remain lip service. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to understand people like Abraham, Rahab, as they are acting and walking in obedience their faith was made whole in their obedience and their declaration and action of faith go hand in hand. True saving faith is based on the word of God, as we know, and it involves three things, our intellect to understand the truth, emotions, which is the heart's desiring of the truth, and our will, which is the acting on the truth. That's what Chuck Missler said. I love that. Mm. 
All right. I think we will wrap up here before we jump into chapter three and we'll finish up with three, four, and five next week on another episode just because we don't want to rush through it and we want to make sure that we're going through it well and not too fast and not too rambly. Um, But before we jump into our prayer requests, we would like to thank Skylight Frame for sponsoring today's episode. Mother's Day is right around the corner and we know it's really hard to find the perfect Mother's Day gift. But the great thing about Skylight Frame is that it's a touchscreen photo frame that you can email photos to and they appear in seconds so mom can see your favorite moments. So it's a really good way to feel close to those you love even when you're separated and multiple people can send photos to the frame. So it's a great way to keep a large network of friends and family in touch. The frame is all black and it looks really pretty. It looks like a real photo frame and it adds a beautiful touch to your home. It's a 10 inch screen and you can just swipe through all the photos and even tap to thank the person who sent you the photo. So my grandma in Brazil is obsessed with Alethea and loves seeing pictures of her. So we're sending her one and it's super easy to use. You don't have to be tech savvy to set it up. It's very simple and easy. Um, and I think it's a really good gift. So now they have a special holiday offer where you can get $10 off your purchase of your Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter house. Again, to get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, go to skylightframe.com and enter code house. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com and the code is house. This week's prayer request comes from Donna. She's getting out of the Navy pretty soon, and she said she's looking for a new home and a new start with her family and with everything going on with coronavirus right now. Uh, There's a lot of uncertainty, so we're just going to pray for her and her family that they will be taken care of and uh, find the right place to start new. Father God, we ask that you be with Donna and her family as she's uh, making the adjustment. Uh, We thank you for the calling that she's answered to serve her country and serve the military. I pray that you will just continue to keep her safe um, for the remainder of her contract and her commitment. And Lord, allow her to adjust to civilian life seamlessly and easily. I pray that you just watch over her family and give them opportunities for living and for making new friends and new church families that they'll be uh, assimilating to. And Lord, with everything going on with coronavirus, I pray that you just allow them to let them know that you are taking care of every single need of theirs. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Beautiful, honey. Well, if you guys ever have any prayer requests, feel free to DM us at As For Me My House podcast on Instagram. Or if you just join the Facebook page, people are doing daily prayer requests on there and it's really encouraging to see everyone just come together and pray for one another. So if you want a community that you don't have, Highly, highly suggest you guys um, check out the Facebook page. We'll have that link down below. But hope you guys enjoyed. We will finish up James next week. Maybe go ahead and read it before we release the next episode just so you can kind of know what to expect beforehand or any questions. And, of course, we'll keep talking about it on the Facebook page as well. But we love you guys, and we'll see you in our next episode. Bye.